Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, discussing all things audiobooks with the authors that write the stories and the narrators that perform them. Brought to you by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Season 3 of the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast. Today, I am chatting with author Sharon Michaela. Sharon, thank you for being here and welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to talk to you about all your books and all this romantic suspense and all this other fun stuff. Why don't we start by having you tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been writing and how you got started. Okay. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, I I'm uh, I live in Chicago and I'm originally from Chicago, but I spent most of my life living in downstate Illinois where I was an academic. So um, I started writing poetry when I was a teenager, not very successfully, but very ambitiously. I used to send my poems off to the New Yorker and Poetry Magazine and places like that. I had lots of rejections. Then I went to college and I started writing other stuff. And then I went to grad school and uh, eventually got published as a historian. So I have a bunch of stuff out as a historian, which meant when I decided to go back to my first love, which was fiction, where I'd been a very unsuccessful author, um, I could get maybe two chapters into a book and then I didn't know how to make it go on from there. Um, I, uh, I needed to learn to write in a totally different way than you write as an academic. And unfortunately, some of that little pedantic stuff still kind of comes out I have to have editors and beta readers save me from some of that uh and oh yeah I'm big on backstory I'm a historian right so yeah no I love backstory that forever <laughs> <laughs> and uh um so I moved back to Chicago in 2017 after my husband died and decided that um I needed to have something to do because I didn't really know anybody up here anymore, except my brother and sister-in-law. And I went to the theater and things like that. So I've made a few friends since I've been up here, but then I tried to join some knitting groups and that didn't actually work out very well for me. Um, Cause I used to do that all the time when I was in Champaign. So then I thought, well, you know, I'll just join a writing group. And even if I don't get a lot of writing done, it, you know, I'll meet people and, It'll get me out and all that kind of thing. So I, uh, a lot of the people, it's a, it's a group called just, uh, just right Chicago. And, um, and they used to have meetings with different uh, facilitators almost every day in the week uh, in different parts of Chicago. And a couple of them were in Edgewater, which is near where I live. And, um, and then there was one that kind of met all over the North side on Sundays that I went to, um, and one that met in Logan Square that I started going to. And I still do some of that on Zoom. But and mo- a lot of those people weren't writing novels or anything like that. But I kind of got in with a group of people who were writing novels. And um, that really just kind of spurred me on. But I had a problem at the beginning because I had two characters that I'd been thinking about for a long time and no plot. <laughs> so. And I didn't know what to do about that. So I, I actually posted on Facebook and said, I had these two characters and no plot. And people are like, well, you have to find a plot. Find a plot, Sharon. Um, so I, I joined um, Sisters in Crime, Guppies, and started taking writing classes. I wasn't necessarily going to write a mystery, but um, they had classes on plotting and they had classes on character development and all kinds of things like that. And I just kept going. And I wrote my first draft and I thought it wasn't too bad. 
So um, I sent it in for some contests where I didn't win. And then I revised it quite a bit and I sent it to Entangled and they said, uh, no, we don't want it, but rewrite it and resubmit. So I thought, well, how bad is that? <laughs> so I did that. <laughs> they still didn't want it as it turned out. In the meantime, I switched from third person um, narrative to first person present tense, which I didn't think I could do. But as it turned out, um, I sent it to my early readers who had read the first version and they were like, well, the first version was pretty good, but this is better. <laughs> I thought, okay, maybe I was meant to be a first person present tense writer. Um, so, uh, then I sent a version of it for this contest called, um, um, soon to be famous Illinois author contest <laughs> that's run by the Illinois state librarians. And, um, and I was a semifinalist. So I thought, well, how bad can it be? Right. These librarians <laughs> thought it was worth making me a semifinalist, one of nine out of however many people. Yeah, um, I didn't get any farther, but I revised it again and I um, sent it out to some people. I had already had a developmental editor look at it and um, and she looked at it a second time and had a few things, but she thought it was pretty good. So then I sent it to a real editor and then I published it and um, I I have had some pretty good reviews. So, in fact, IndieTale gave me five stars nice. for five stars, I guess, for that first book, which I thought was pretty was pretty good. So, yeah, um, yeah. IndieTale's you know, good I, in their particular, so that's good. Yeah, the second <laughs> one got four, but the review was just as good. I mean, that was so weird. It was like. <gasps> You said all the same nice things, but you only gave me four crowns this time. Oh, well. Yeah, you know, these are so subjective. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it gave me five tea kettles, and I was like, seriously? <laughs> I closed door sex and you gave me five tea kettles? <laughs> I don't believe that. Um, but anyway, so um, so then the second book was supposed to be about two different two side characters in the series but I realized I had more to say about my two main characters in my first book so I ended up writing a second book about them um which uh which I which I like a lot it's it's a little more um action-packed than the first one um but uh but I really liked the characters and I felt that even though they had a happily for now in the first book my characters are in their 40s and one of the things that I know as a 70-year-old is changing your habits as you get older is hard. Even when you say that you're going to do things differently, it's, backsliding is very easy. So it was very easy for them to fall back into patterns that they didn't want to be in. And they had to, so they were still really working on how this relationship was going to to work and then I had some other things. He's from a very big boisterous Scottish family and she had like practically no family. And so part of it for her is trying to get used to being part of this this family. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which can and be difficult She really believes they like her and they're just like all over all the time because they have a whole section in that book in Scotland. So um so it's uh it's 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 kind of fun and i'm going to be in a reading um i'm one of the authors reading in this this thing next next week mm -hmm. and i have to read something from that book at the crossroads and i decided that the part i'm going to read is where max tries to teach Cress how to drive a car oh. because 
she lives in she, she lives in Chicago. She's never learned to drive, and he's decided that he's a car fanatic. Um, that he needs to teach her how to drive. Oh and, boy, uh, some of her experience. <laughs> Well, you know, the thing is that they're, he's, he's British, right? So yep. all their all their cars are stick shift. Yep. <laughs> so I so this is based on my very unsuccessful um, experience in high school trying to learn to drive stick shift. Oh. And I never did. I never was able to master stick shift. Mm-hmm. Um, and my driving instructor, because we had driver's ed in high school, um, gave up. Because I installed the car out in front of the high school about six <laughs> times, and he finally just switched places with me and drove. Oh no! Oh. And he said, "Well, we're not going to do that again." <laughs> oh my! Yeah, so that was the one and only experience with with doing that. And it, there was no power steering; it was a station wagon. It was an early '60s station wagon with no power steering. It was horrible to try and drive. Yeah, those were not. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, yeah, and now I don't own a car. Um, I take all public transportation. So I thought that would be a fun scene to, to, to read. Um, that would she be fun. She's more successful than I am, but uh, <laughs> yeah. And I still don't know why Max likes cars. Cause I have no interest in cars whatsoever. I, when he, when he told me that I was like, no, find something else. <laughs> <laughs> Not cars. And then I had to, I, I have a friend who was a college professor, knitter and race car driver. So I actually did a whole bunch of um, instant messaging with her to find out more about cars and driving and where you would drive if you live in Chicago and want to drive on a track and all that kind of stuff. She lives in Detroit, but she really is a professional. She really does. She, she, she races all. Wow. Yeah. 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 Pretty pretty cool. There's a couple of cities in in, in this country that, that don't really require you to need to have a car, you know, Chicago, Boston, New York, um, and totally do, you know, public transportation, but, um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I'm a Florida girl, so we need we have cars. And <laughs> I lived in Central Illinois. Believe me, I had a yeah. car. I learned. I mean, I learned to drive at 16. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I no, but the Chicago suburbs. Yeah, you know, and there were there wasn't good public transportation out there then. Besides, at 16, I was happy to learn to drive. I at know. 70, if I never, I haven't been behind the wheel in five and a half years. Yeah, if and it, I have no desire to drive again. Yeah, it's it's interesting as as we get um into the teenage year, what we think and feel and believe are these freedoms, and and then as we get older, we realize oh those weren't yeah a little bit of freedom, but that just meant more responsibility and bills. <laughs> and oh, then, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we're like, no, nah, we don't need this anymore. Later's bye. Yeah, no, I understand. Yeah. It's a yeah. Um, well, and once I learned, once I got my license, my mom's like, "Well, could you go and do this? Could groceries, you yeah, take <laughs> <laughs> my car." And, yeah. and, and of course, you know, uh, other kids. So, so I always drive. I always drove cars into the ground. My husband didn't care either, and so we would just buy a car and we would drive it till it needed to be replaced, like fifteen years later. And my col- my my, I advised uh, undergraduate students. And I'd have a student walk out with me to the car and the few times that I actually drove to campus. And they'd go, so Dr. Michaelov, why do you drive a beater? And I'm like, a what? <laughs> <laughs> because they all had late model cars. Yes. But my first car was my mom's car. It was a, was a 1953 Buick. Oh, wow. 
<laughs> that's what I drove when I first. The only good thing about it was it was tank like, so you know, yes. highly protective. Except of course we had no seatbelts or any of those things uh, in the late sixties. But I, uh, yeah, that was my that was my first car. So you know, if you can do, do that and not feel embarrassed as a teenager driving that. Then you're good. You're not going to be embarrassed by anything you ever drive. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah. Cars back then um, did not go as fast as they do now, and I think that that mm-hmm. was part of the the reason why they may not have had the seatbelts to begin with. And then they started realizing, oh yeah, safety. That's yeah. I remember my parents had a mm-hmm. station wagon, and uh, we were sitting in the back. And the station mm-hmm. wagon had those wood panels where you were lowered on the side, and that's where you would sit in 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 the car. Yeah, I don't ever mm-hmm. remember seeing um seatbelts there. And I'm like, Ma, <laughs> really? Yeah. He's like, different times, Viviana, different times. I'm like, okay, mom. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Yeah. My mother's favorite car, which was um she had before I was aware of cars, was a Carmen Ghia. She said it, she loved it, except that it would stall every time she went over railroad tracks. Oh. Like, and it didn't worry you, mom. <laughs> Oh yeah, that would be a no-go for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In in fact, her last car that she had before she died, well, she gave up her car eventually because she had Alzheimer's, but she had a Chrysler LeBaron convertible. And she lived in Arizona. My dad got her car and, and I and I said, So she goes, So I'm gonna go out driving and and you know, with the top down. And I said, Well, how hot is it? She goes, Oh, I don't know, it's about 110. And I'm like, so isn't that a little hot to be driving with the top down? And she goes, no, everybody does it here. You just turn on the air conditioner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the air conditioner. Right? <laughs> hey, she was a problem solver. Okay. She was a yeah, problem yeah, solver. She obviously wasn't interested in global warming. No. <laughs> climate change did not, did not make any difference to her. But she was so excited when she got that car. I mean, it yeah. was just. Yeah. So my mom was really into cars. My dad was really into cars. Mm-hmm. But me, no. Mm-hmm. I I it was a way of getting from one place to another. Mm-hmm. And yet your character was like, I love cars. Oh my God. He's got he's got a whole fleet of, of very interesting cars. I was running car types past past my friend, and then I contacted my middle brother and said, so what do guys talk about when they go to cars? I haven't seen you kind of talk to this other guy about cars. He sends me this whole list. So then I said, okay, so Max wants a new car. He wants to to invest in another car. This is not a billionaire romance, but the family's got a lot of money. I just don't really talk about that much. They just have stuff. And um, I um, so I so I said, so if you if you could buy any car, absolutely any car, and money was no object, what would you buy? This is my this brother is 11 years younger than I am. And he goes, well, I'm not interested in cars. So I usually buy a car and drive it for 15 years or so till I drive it into the ground and then I buy another one. I'm like, <laughs> no, no, you're just like me. This is terrible. You're, you're not <laughs> so helping. He said, so, yeah, so he said, so ask your nephew, Ben, who's his younger son, who was in his, he was about, I don't know, 23. So I, so I wrote him and I said, all right, Ben. So if you could buy any car, what would you buy? He goes, I'd buy a Dodge Charger. And I'm thinking, this is not helpful. So I said, why? So he explained to me why. And I used that car and that explanation for Cress's friend, Paul, who's the other person in the conversation, who's a big NASCAR type guy. But I, I still had to find something. I had to find something fancy 
from Axe and I found a car that was a prototype in 2013 that, that went on the market in 2015 that his father would have seen in England. He would have seen the prototype. Yeah, the prototype. So I ended up using that. And when I eventually told my my 28-year-old nephew who lives in the Chicago area, he goes, oh, that's a cool car. <laughs> Why did I ask you, Brian, instead of asking Ben? Yeah, you know, we live and learn. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I was running some other, some other um, transportation choices past him because uh, I'm going to be writing about a guy who rides motorcycles, and uh, I asked him what he thought of this motorcycle that I picked out for him, and he goes, "Yeah, that'd be a cool motorcycle for a man." Yeah, okay. and especially yeah. since you're, um, but you write a lot of them on now these ones that you were talking about. They're in ro- mm-hmm. the romantic suspense genre, yes. so mm-hmm. a, a lot of times they'll, you know, especially if there's you know special ops or they're in, you know, or the bad guy would drive these specific types of cars, um, <laughs> and and you know motorcycles and stuff like that. So it, it's it's just research, just totally. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I, my whole life is research. research. One of the things yeah. I can tell you is. You know, I know authors that don't like to do a lot of research, but because of my background and because I also have a library degree, I do research on everything, absolutely everything. And so even with restaurants in Chicago, most of them that I wrote about, I've been to, but not all of them. Um, I wrote about Everest. In fact, that was at the very beginning of the book. And Everest closed in 2020. So it was still around when when the book takes place, but yeah. I had not been there and I can't go there now. Yeah. Um, but there were lots and lots of pictures online. So I could look at the pictures. I could look at the building. I could look at, at all this stuff. And in fact, um, their offices, Global Security Unlimited's offices are in the Rippery building. And I actually took a, a tour through from the um, Chicago um, History uh, Foundation. You know, there's the Chicago History Center now, I think, um, to see the building. And they did, They most of the tours only give you the atrium area, which was redone by Frank Lloyd Wright in, two, in 1905. But we got to go upstairs. Only, the, only they get to do this. We got to go up to the top floor, which is the 11th floor, and see the um, conference room, which any of the... Uh, companies in the building can use and the conference room was burnham's conference room when he was planning the world chicago uh columbia exposition for 1893 oh wow and it's still got all the stuff in it it's got the table and it's got all these architectural plans and and books and this huge corner fireplace and all this stuff so i yeah it's it it was very cool for me to be able to do that the building was built in 1889. So, wow! Uh, yeah, I love it. The, the the author, I mean, the the readers and the listeners love it when a, a story is has taken place in a city um, such as Chicago or you know New Orleans, and the author uses real life places mm. and locations because we get to then go exploring and we feel like the characters. <laughs> so it's yeah. always fun when the author even provides the the list either on their website or if you're, you know, you, you can sometimes, especially if they're on social media, you can ask them, say, hey, you know, we're taking a trip to New Orleans um, or in Chicago, you know, and we love your book and blah, blah, blah. And then they might even give you the whole list if they haven't already submitted it somewhere mm. on the website. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's been it's been fun. The second book, so the first book 
pretty much all takes place in Chicago. The second book, there's a little bit at Oxford University uh, because they have a, they have an interesting, uh, this is a second chance romance. So they had originally met 20 years before very briefly at Oxford University where they were both students. And, um, but the second book starts in Chicago, then it goes to London. I've got a big, big section on London. I know London pretty well. Um, some very good restaurants that I talk about there. And then, um, and and there's a whole scene with a with a London Blue Badge guide who kind of was one of the people I did virtual tours with all through the the darkest days of the pandemic. So um, that was kind of cool. She let me put her in my book. Then they go to the Highlands of Scotland, and I've been up there. And then um, and then we end in Paris, and I've been there too. So when I wrote the third book, which is not romantic suspense it's a traditional mystery with a love story at the center also second chance romance because i like second chance romance stories and older characters and um and my characters told me when i woke up one morning with this idea that it had to be in northern michigan and i'm like excuse me (laughs) (laughs) i've hardly ever been to northern michigan (laughs) i don't know anything about northern michigan so that one took a huge amount of 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 research but they insisted that it had to be in northern michigan so um i'm hoping that it's pretty um it's pretty true to the to the michigan setting but um, the only place i've been there is petoskey and and this doesn't take place there Uh, i made up a town because i i didn't want to take any any chances with with that Oh no! Yeah, sometimes now takes place in Hampshire in a village that I created between Winchester and Southampton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, those uh, are always fun too. You kind of get to create these new worlds and stuff. But the the first book, the at first sight, which is part of the okay. the first book in that Global Security Unlimited series, and you said that there's uh, currently two books, and we're going to be getting a third one coming out soon. Um, I'm I'm aiming for it to come out next year. Okay. Uh, because, cool. I, because I have to write this, this cozy mystery first, and if I can get that finished by November, then I'll spend November and December and maybe January writing the other one, and then I can get, if I'm lucky, both of them out uh, next year. To me, the idea of getting two books out a year would have been a dream a few years ago when it took me three and a half years to write the first book. Um, so getting two books written this year was just stunning yeah yeah i I could not believe that that i did that but i've already made a little bit of a start on it um the two of the side characters who were in the first two books are um mickey who's um cress's best friend and jl who's um one of max's colleagues max does cybersecurity, but jl runs the physical security side and um, and it takes place between Chicago and Vancouver, another place I've never been. But I'm hoping to go to Vancouver at some at some point. But I know a whole lot of people in Vancouver, so I can get plenty of help with that. And he's French Canadian, and she's another Chicago girl. They she and uh, Cress grew up together. So um, and there's something that happens in the first book that essentially leads to what happens to them in the third book so that's kind of that's kind of good but i've got kind of a um parallel timelines going between the second book and part of the third book and then the fourth book is going to have pretty much a parallel timeline with the second book yeah all Um, that means is that we're going to read what you have available now and when the next book comes yes. out, we're going to read the first two in the second book to be prepared for the third. And then when the fourth right. one comes out, you do the same thing. It's we're not complaining. 
It's okay. Oh, no, no. I, 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 I know how the whole pattern goes. I'm, I'm you happy can hear it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. it's, um, they're, they're, they're fun. I thought when I got the audio files for At First Sight, I wanted to listen to a little bit so I could hear what the voices sounded like. Um, and most of the authors I know tell me that they can't listen to their own books. And I thought, this is going to be horrible. I'm not going to want to hear my own words. But actually, <laughs> it's better than I thought it was. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Okay, oh, okay. Yeah. But before, before yeah, you tell us, like. <laughs> right, but tell us who your narrators are. And I'm sure that has something to do with it also. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. I, I actually, I really wanted Jason Clark. And I was willing to wait months and months and months to get onto his calendar. Um, and Emma Wild is the other one she actually signed on right away yeah and we had to wait until oh, late day before they could they could get started and this whole process began um in september 2021 so wow. it's been a long time a long time coming but um worth the wait but worth the wait he is, he is amazing yeah because max is british but he's got a very english sort of accent his family is is scottish but most of the kids don't sound scottish but his father's and mother are very scottish sounding um and his mother's family is russian so at some point not i don't think in that book but in the next book there's some russian stuff going on and some turkish stuff um and they're also recording the second book which should come out um, I would guess maybe the end of August, beginning of September, right, right in time for Allure, I think. Yeah. And then, um, which will be exciting. And and then, um, but JL's in that book, and so he's French Canadian. So um, Jason does a French accent for him, and he's wonderful with Scottish accents as well. Um, so it's been so that was that was that was really good. Mm -hmm. So you had and, such a hardship and, um, listening I'm, I'm to Emma. Happy. <laughs> and and yeah, Jason yeah, with your well, story I, I, such I, I, a hardship oh my <laughs> uh well well you know from I've listened to a whole bunch of it now and I think they're both really good and she does actually Max's accent not too I love I mean, Emma good oh yeah 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 I um, yeah her voice her um, there has a saltiness to it yeah the beginning of my book Oh yeah, yeah, and kind of a, a sort of breathiness to it, which yeah. works really well for the very beginning. Because from the the first scene, the beginning of the first scene, you would think that this is a rom com, because Cress is incredibly awkward, and she has a very awkward encounter at the very beginning. Mm. Um, a, a friend of mine, I, I played a little bit of it for her last night, and she goes, "Well, you know, I think Cress sounds just like you." Oh. <laughs> And I'm like, well, there is a bunch of crust in me, but I don't know that my voice is quite right. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> authors write yeah. what they know, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. No, all the characters have some some bits of me. In oh yeah. Them. Well, not the really horrible characters. I have to say that there's a couple of really horrible characters, and I don't even know people like that. Um, so you know. Authors have quite an imagination, and I have some characters that, you know, people are like, oh, I didn't like this person. I'm like, oh, you're not supposed to like that person. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, There's a reason why they say don't piss off an author. Um, yeah. You will, yeah. They, they will add you to the book and kill you off. <laughs> well, my niece actually, for Christmas one year, gave me a mug that said that, <laughs> <laughs> which I just, I just love. So, uh, 
yeah, it's been it's it's been a fun trip. I have to say, when I first started writing, I told them I told my family that I was writing romance. My one sister-in-law who lives in Phoenix, she's married to the to the one who's like me about cars. Um, she's not really interested in reading it because she really only likes to read erotic. <laughs> I don't have enough. I don't have enough. Um, uh, sex. Yeah, yeah. Sex in the book for, for her. I try and write hot, but not explicit because i figure you know people have imaginations right yeah you can imagine what it should be like um and then um but then my brother who lives in evanston uh he's the one closest to me in age he for for a long time he just called it sharon's sex book oh my god (laughs) really seriously (laughs) oh yeah yeah he mostly Uh, reads scrollers and history so yeah gotta love brothers gotta love brothers (laughs) yeah but his his wife has read both i think she's read both of the books now but i know she read the first not only did she read the first one she gave six copies away to other people (gasps) i was like boy i wish everybody was like that paperback Oh, that's awesome yeah, it was amazing uh-huh yeah. both of her sisters my niece uh, and uh several of her friends she gave them to so uh-huh. yeah that was kind of a nice vote of confidence it is. yeah no that definitely and it's it's funny that you know for some readers and listeners there's not enough sex and for others there's too much and that's also where and i love that you brought it up that it was that you know she reads erotica and erotica is different than erotic romance um Mm -hmm. you know with the premises and stuff and sometimes people don't realize there that there's a difference where erotic erotica is significantly more about the steaminess and the actions of the sex scenes and Mm -hmm. then with a little bit of plot and the everything else is the other way around where there's more plot that happens to be very steamy and that's okay right you know (laughs) and i'm and i i'm one of those people who has to have a lot of plot so when i wrote the first book I ended up with too much plot. I had because I was worried I wouldn't have enough. So I had a main plot and then I had two subplots. Oh, and wow. it was kind of like um well, and then I took one of the subplots out and it was supposed to be the subplot of the second book. But that didn't work because it had to take place in Chicago and Max and Krauss had to be in Europe. And I couldn't make that work. So that's going to be the subplot of the fourth book. Yeah. That ends at the same time as the second book because it's all about cyber sabotage, that one. And it takes place in Chicago. So it's his it's his kind of second in command who's going to be doing that. And he's forced see, I already know a whole lot about these books. Yeah. He's he's forced (laughs) to hire this consultant that he has a history with. So it's an it's an enemies to lovers story um yeah yeah but but a little of that comes out in the second book because you know one of the things i do and i don't know maybe some readers think that that gives you too much stuff that's not that's not you know central to the plot but i i like to set up the the other books so that when you get to the other books it's like oh yes i remember that yeah i know that that happens we we when that occurs uh, the listeners love it so it's a good thing Yeah, so it but it was funny because when I when I finished the second book, I sent it out to one of my early readers who liked really liked my first book. And she goes, So I started reading and I thought it was gonna be about Jail and Mickey. And then I had I realized it was still about Max and Cross. I had to go back and start it over again so that I could do a mind reset. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, it just happened that way. What can I tell you? <laughs> yep, it does. It, it's yep. Yeah, when you think about it. 
and you're going, okay, you get all excited. You're like, and then you're like, oh, okay, hold on a minute. Rewind, reset, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So you have mentioned so going and attending a lore that's going to be in Chicago in September. And I, I believe this is not your first signing where you're going to be a signing author. Am I correct? You're correct. Um, when my first book came out, it came out on October 22nd, 2021. 2021. And that was my 70th birthday. Mm-hmm. And I was at... Um, I was at a reader's appreciation weekend in Virginia. And when a friend of mine who was, who was doing the reader's appreciation weekend found out my book was going to be out, she said, well, do you want to come not as a reader, but as a signing author? So I actually was signing books the weekend that my book came out, which was very exciting for me. And yeah, yeah, so it was a, it was a very small conference, but I, sold a whole bunch of books which was good yeah and um and then i've done a couple of other um our chicago north romance writers group does a, a conference called spring fling every two years and i signed at that one as well yeah and so i think there's I, another I've one in chicago the windy city something oh yeah I, I i haven't been invited to wild and windy in the city Um, okay and i don't think they even know i exist yeah sometimes it's uh some of the events can be a little bit clicky but that's also where all it takes one you know one reader or listener to bust Uh, to the organizer and say hey (laughs) Uh, (laughs) my friend jill benson is going to be at that one too next Mm -hmm. uh may and whether i actually i don't have a ticket right now because when they sold the tickets she wasn't on the program so uh (laughs) and they're going to have some more tickets but only for the friday night but i thought well if i can do that that's when all the panels are and everything i don't need to stand in line and have books signed they can't jill sign my book love uh, you bye Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> the problem is that even if people want to talk to you, they don't have the time because there's all a line of people standing there. So there, there's nothing they can do about that. But on Friday night, when they're doing the panels and everything, that's a good time to see people. And then she and I can hang out afterwards, something like that, if I can get a ticket or I'll just go to the hotel. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't live that far from Rosemont. I can go out there. Yeah. Uh, but she's going to uh, be at Allure too. So this will be your first event then right. specifically for audiobooks then. Yes. Yes. And, and it was interesting because I originally signed up just to go. Um, and then, um, and then once I knew the audiobook was going to go come out and they were still, uh, they were still recruiting authors. I said, you know, I'm signed up to go, but I'm going to have audiobooks out. And they said, Oh, great. <laughs> do that instead so i i just switched my my ticket stuff to the table and uh and and so i'll i'll do that and it's down at the palmer house and i got a room because nice. why not just get down there for the weekend so yeah hang out with the readers and the listeners yeah for sure yeah yeah so that's that's kind of where i'm where i'm at for that um but when i go to wild if i go to wild and windy next may maybe i can meet the organizers and maybe i'll have a chance to to you know because they like to promote chicago authors yeah um, exactly when they're doing it so that might that might work i know that you're supposed to go look at these lists and then sign up for stuff but half the time i look at things and they they're like so how much of your you know how big is your social media following and i'm like it's not huge (laughs) i work on it and it's getting a little bit bigger but it grows incrementally it's not it's not like i have thousands of people that are 
that are um, looking at my Instagram or. Right. But I think it, it really is. I mean, there's, there's a, there's a reason for why they're asking about that. Cause they obviously they want to make sure that people are coming in that they're able to share and promote and mm-hmm. cross promote, but also it becomes a, a thing too, where, you know, you want to be able to promote, make it about the authors. There's so many events always locally that, mm-hmm. you know, for local authors that, you know, it's, it's a shame to ever not be included because of a social media following. I'm like, um, I rather her being, I rather her spend her time on the book that she's writing than on yeah. social media. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and, and I, and, and Jill will be there and LB Dunbar is somebody else that I kind of know. Yeah. I'm excited. For so I might be able to get see if they would be willing to advocate for me for the yeah. future. Because at <laughs> no, one time sure. they were talking about not even having Wild and Windy anymore. And since that, they've, they've had, I think, two or three. So, so Allure is happening in September for those that are listening. And there's going to be a huge list of fantastic authors and narrators. So make sure that you come visit them and, you know, go over to the tables. There's uh, something for everybody. I mean, you know, Sharon's going to be there for some romantic suspense. You know, uh, Jill Benston will be there with a contemporary romance, a la rock stars. There's going to be so much, many more there. It's, I mean, there's, there's something for everybody. So make sure you guys check out. And yeah, I'm glad that Jill's going. I didn't know that you guys were friends. It's, you know, one of those things where it's such a small world. Mm-hmm. I was her first podcast too. So. Yeah, well, we also <laughs> met on the same, we met on the same Alaska cruise that I met Kim Lorraine on. And, um, and Kim and, and uh, Jill already knew each other. Jill and I had had correspondence virtually and she was the one who said sign up for it and then we'll be able to get together yeah. and her so, Jill does not travel alone although she said she's not traveling with an entourage to Chicago but usually oh, she man. doesn't travel alone she came with she came with her mother uh-huh. who was her assistant right. her father <laughs> and her husband that's the only thing Ben has gone to in a while um he was supposed to go to Edinburgh with her, but then they didn't go to Edinburgh because her son just got married. Yes. And they, they couldn't really do do a that lot, yeah. in the way. So that's why she signed up for Chicago because she didn't go to Edinburgh. Yeah. Which was well, kind of fun. They lost so, our game. Okay. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So anyway, she um so I had gone with a friend of mine. We were roommates. And we go down for dinner the first night and there's supposed to be an author at every table and then there's supposed to be a group. And the authors are supposed to move from from table to table depending on the night. Mm-hmm. Well, none of it worked out that way. So <laughs> people are sitting all over and the authors are sitting mostly with other authors. And, and my friend and I are at a table for six and there's the two of us and that's it. There's no other people sitting at our table and our third roommate only came to one meal the whole time which was okay as it turned out but anyway um so jill comes down with her family and they want to sit them at a table of four for four and the table is right behind where we're sitting and jill calls over and she goes are you two all alone because we had met already and and, and we go yeah so finally after a lot of arguing with the staff they let the six of us sit together and we had all our dinners together all every every night we we ate together so we got to know each other pretty well and then Mm -hmm. i went up when we went out to philly to see her um we all got in on thursday night we all had dinner and she had a bigger entourage so she had her parents she had her her, she had her her son matt who is the model for kyle and um theory of second best and really uh she says the others are a composite but 
no, Kyle and Matt are the same. <laughs> they really are. Um, and he, he came to the signing and he actually autographed books. And and everybody fell in love with him. Matt is a very, very charming young man. Yeah, I'm like and, a bugger. Um, so the three of them, so so her mom, her dad, Matt, um, two of her aunts, and two of her cousins. So there were all of them, and there, and my friend Sherry and me. So we had dinner on Thursday night. Then on Friday, we all went sightseeing together in Philly all day. <laughs> and then um, Jill had a kind of a little get together on Friday night. And she had another little get together on Saturday night. So I saw a lot of her at that. And, and her mother, Janet, was talking about how they were going to have this huge Thanksgiving. They have a really big family. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. It's one of the things 20, I love about her. She shares all, all this stuff online. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna have to bug her. Oh, her mother is just. A... Yeah, I'm gonna have to bug her because she's gone to all these other events with her entourage, and I was like, uh, I wonder who she's gonna bring as her entourage for Chicago. And now yeah, you're, yeah. you're like, ah, oh, man, I'm gonna have to bug yeah. her. I'd be like, Jill, really? Where no, I'm gonna be she, at? She's, oh. she's not bringing anybody. <laughs> yeah. What, what can I say? But she probably will for um, Wild and Windy in in May. I would think she might. Um, but anyway, it's yeah. Uh, we'll we'll see what happens, you know, when it comes yeah. come September. So we, were, and so we were saying it's too bad that that we don't live in California. We could come out for Thanksgiving, and, <laughs> and Janet said to me, Sharon, you know that you're like a member of our family. You're welcome Aww. to come out anytime. And I thought oh, that is so nice of you. But but on the cruise and and every place else that people meet Janet, everybody's like, I want you to be my mom, or I want you yeah. to be my granddaughter. <laughs> and they're saying to me, Don't you feel that way, Sharon? And I'm like, No. Janet's only four years older than I am. Oh. <laughs> She's like a sister. Let's see what I thought. Okay. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. yeah. Except with except with, with a much more madcap personality than than mine. She's big on practical jokes. She was telling us her practical jokes oh and my. all these kinds of yeah. Yeah, she's she is a very funny lady. Um, her, yeah. So if if you if you want to be be friends with her, just just uh, friend Janet Wheeler on uh, mm -hmm. on Facebook. <laughs> well, yeah, she does she does post. Yeah, and, good. And Jill's brothers are just, I you know I'm really sorry I didn't I've never gotten a chance to meet them, but they make these weird videos, um, stupid California laws. Mm. <laughs> they go to these little towns. Oh and my god! Then they they find some stupid law and then they break it. <laughs> mm. So, oh my yeah. goodness! Yeah, you could look for you could look. Yeah, for, I will um, look that up later when I'm done talking with you because. My goodness, it's uh, between your romantic suspenses and you know mischievous stuff in, in the books, and now I'm like, I'm you know you if you ever need ideas, I'm sure those set of brothers can help you out there. Oh yeah, <laughs> but no, I, I I think so. The problem is they're just not really scary enough. But oh, uh, oh that's but where the, the imagination the band, comes One in. of the bands, yeah, one of Jill's bands is based on one of her brother's um, bands. Yeah, so I she um, said that. Yeah, she likes about all that. Yeah, stuff. So yeah, great. Anyway, well, yeah, well, we'll we'll have some fun all together hanging out at the at the Allure convention. Speaking mm -hmm. of fun, I have a game that I want to play with you to get to know you better, where you okay. tell us three things about yourself, and we have to figure out which is the lie. So if you're ready, okay. So this was this was interesting for me to think to think about because <laughs> my life is kind of boring. <clears throat> okay, so um, 
My favorite sandwich is almond butter and bacon. Uh, my um, I met my husband at Woodstock at the Woodstock, you know, music thing in 1969. And um, and the third thing is that I have uh, done a barge and bike in Italy. Barge and bike in Italy. Okay. Let's see. Hmm. Okay, let's see, let's see. So anything from sandwiches to where you met the hubby at Woodstock and Bargain Bikes at Italy. Okay, so I think, is the Bargain Bike in Italy the lie? No. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> no, I spent seven days on a boat and then rode all day, every day. Wow. From, from Mantua to um, to Venice. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. Yep. So now we have, hmm. Sandwich with uh, almond butter and bacon, or you met a hubby at Woodstock. Hmm. Is the almond butter the lie? No. (laughs) I just had that for breakfast this morning. I'm sorry. (laughs) I I was hoping you guys met at Woodstock and had all this romantic stuff going on. At the University of (laughs) Yeah. Okay. In 1974, so mm. no, <laughs> my <laughs> husband was a classical musician, mm-hmm. and he, he would not have been caught dead at oh. stuck. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> I didn't go either. My parents would never have let me go. They didn't <laughs> want me to go out to a movie during the de- it, even though we lived in the suburbs during the Democratic National Convention in 1968 because they were worried about my safety. Yeah. So um, there's no way. Yeah, I, I would have ended up going to a rock concert anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad that I told you. You did. You did. You totally got it. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's fine. i have never had almond <laughs> butter with bacon for a long time going what truth uh, oh i love i love almond butter and bacon and i had it on um walnut bread from italy it was really really good you toast the bread you spread those slides with peanut butter works just as well but i like almond butter better and then you just um, cook a couple of strips of bacon and put it in there and yeah i want to try it it's a great combination yeah. i think I'm gonna have so. it. I'm gonna call Claude. That's the the, the Sharon breakfast special, and uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, honey, what are we having yeah, today? What are you having, Sharon? Yeah, yeah. Why not? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Yeah. My husband would never have eaten it, but I but I really like it. It's um, good. That's good. You know, and we don't always have to eat the same thing. I mean, I know that I've done many a pl- uh, uh, lunches and dinners where we're all eating something different. So long as we're at the table together, that's what counts. You know, because yeah, not gonna well, force feed we didn't anybody. have any kids, so yeah, mm-hmm. we didn't have any kids. So we, I didn't have to set any models, but um, my husband mostly liked casseroles and he didn't like vegetables. So, um, yeah, the only vegetable cooked vegetables that he liked was corn and tomatoes, really. Um, and see, and he ate salad, but he didn't eat all salad vegetables. He only ate some salad vegetables. Yeah, <laughs> he didn't eat cucumbers or anything like that. But you know, it was that that was that was fine. I mean, you know, he uh, and he loved desserts. He uh-huh. he had he to had have a sweet tooth. With yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. yes. Oh yeah. yes. And, my and grandfather was like that. Yeah, he had a sweet tooth too, so we always made sure that we had desserts, and he was always a big about that. So yeah, 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he loved Jello. Yeah. I, I knew that we were getting close to the end when he wouldn't even eat Jello because I, all these people kept bringing over Jello for him to eat. And after he died, I had to get, throw out a whole lot of Jello because I don't eat it. But, um, but yeah, he just, you know, and, and there was no, it wasn't his dad killed him. We went on a, on a Rick Steves tour and we were up in, uh, we were up in the Alps and he uh, climbed up part of Mont Blanc with some other people in the group. Not me, I'm afraid of heights, but he did that. And they got up to this point and he starts singing. He starts, he, <laughs> he tells them the story about Brahms and, and Clara Schumann and um, how he, he wrote this song for her. So then he sings it and somebody recorded it. <laughs> and then I posted it. And he was not happy that she gave me the video, but he wasn't happy that I posted it. And then we were in Turkey and we went to this hammam. So the women are on one side and the men are on the other side. And um husband standing around in towels. And I posted that one too. Because I thought he looked cute. Aww. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but he awesome. was he was not, he was not overjoyed. I mean he didn't, he, he didn't really <laughs> get too bent out of shape, but um but it was it was it was cute. He looked yeah. really cute. Uh -huh. uh, so anyway, yeah, it was. So there have been a few little silly things like that over mm -hmm. time. <laughs> yeah, that's what you know. It's you know, they, they, marriages work, and you have to always find the fun moments and the reminders of why you fell in love. Otherwise. You have to remind yourself that, like myself, I don't look good in orange. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny. Uh, we were together for almost 40 years. And, yeah. and every once in a while, somebody will post something and they'll say, you know, there are times when I just wish my husband would disappear. And I'm thinking, be careful what you wish mm -hmm. for. Because then when it happens, whether you wished for it or not, you you know, if you had a good relationship, then it's just devastating. It's yeah. just it. And you know, it's anyway, it's mm -hmm. I don't I don't like to get into really sad stuff. But, yeah, no, no, no. Uh, but um but I'm sure no no no. I'm sure he was a, a wonderful man. You guys had a lot of adventures in your time together, so that's great too. Yeah, well, we both love to travel and neither of us went to college at a time when it was easy to study abroad. So um so I was very lucky because I have friends who are like, I can't get my husband to travel anywhere. And I would say, yeah. I would say, well, you know, Peter, maybe this is the year we need to fix this in the house. And he'd go, is it going to work? Is it going to fall <laughs> down if we don't fix this? I'm like, no. And he says, let's take a trip to Europe instead. Oh, that's awesome. That's so good. <laughs> so yeah, no, it was, it, it was great. Um, and he was fantastic with languages. That was one of the his characteristics that I gave to Max was the languages because um, uh, I've missed that traveling without him. But my next trip is to, Ar is to Antarctica, so I don't think I'm in worry about. I don't think he speaks. He spoke penguin, so <laughs> I don't think there's going to be a problem there. Okay, <laughs> he hated he hated the barge and bike. By the way, yeah, oh. <laughs> because he had to do a week of bike riding, and I kept saying to him before we went because I went on a week long bike ride um, called the Grand Illinois um, uh, Trails and Park Tour uh, to get ready for it, and I kept saying, "Ride my other bike. You need to get used to it because you're going to be riding all day every day." And he wouldn't. He never rode more than two miles. And then we're riding 
all day, every day, and he was very uncomfortable and he fell a lot. And And I said, well, why don't you just ride on the barge? You know, you don't have to, you don't have to ride with, with me and the rest of the group, just ride right down the river on the barge with the captain and the, you know, and his wife and the chef. And he's like, yeah, but there's two kids on this trip and they're both riding every day. I said, that doesn't mean you have to ride too. I know. Oh, <laughs> men and their egos. <laughs> yeah, but he, and he rode every day and, and um, had all kinds of uh, hair-raising experiences and, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But when the one young man who was 13 in German um, fell while he was showing off on his bike, he was just absolutely devastated, this kid. And my husband spoke German really well. And we all just sat for a while because, you know, he needed to get over being all shaken up. And my husband just sat with him and they talked about, you know, how you can fall and still be okay because my husband had been doing it all along. And he was not the parents and he could speak in German because this kid's English was so-so. He he, That was not the first language he learned, unlike his sister who was like eight and Mm. spoke perfect english but um so anyway that that actually was a really really valuable experience i think all the way around mm-hmm. so well, see um, now i know that probably like better than the rest of it yeah <laughs> perhaps yeah see now i know that that's uh where you got some of that inspiration from is uh you know your husband so that's always nice as well to know as a listener yeah, and a reader mm-hmm. there, were, there were two things that was one the languages were one i mean he in most ways he's not like max at all he certainly was not tall or any of those things. <laughs> Although he did want to be a spy when he was young. I mean, that, that was true. Um, but um, but the other one was he liked to tell really, really bad jokes. Oh. So I will tell you, I will warn you, there are bad jokes all the way through the book because Max and his family tell bad jokes. Oh, those are going to be fun. I can only imagine um, and, Emma and, yeah, and Jason I, having to go through those lines too. <laughs> Yeah, well, Jason mostly goes through those lines, and and Chris is like me. I I managed to get through thirty nine and a half years of not laughing, mm. <laughs> even when I thought they were funny, I wouldn't laugh. Oh. And so he one year he was he was he had a doctorate in music. So of course, what did he do with his life? He was an accountant. So he was the head of the business managers group at U of I for a year because it was a rotating thing among the business managers on campus. And he saw the meetings as a chance for him to um, to perfect his stand-up routine. <laughs> so he would practice it on me, and I would look at him while he said, told me all these terrible jokes. Then he would go to the meeting, and then he'd come home, and I'd say, so how, how did it go? How did your jokes go? And he'd go, they loved them. And I would look at him, and I would say, of course they did. They're all accountants. <laughs> so... Oh, yes so anyway yeah. <laughs> so yes lots and lots of bad lots and lots of bad jokes his father's just as bad as he is max's father yeah um, that's, where, oh. that's where he gets, gets oh that's gonna yeah. be a fun couple you know lines when that happens when we get that book in audio wow okay <laughs> uh, i i i hope i hope people like some of the some of the dialogue and stuff i i try for banter Oh, no, yeah, see. we we all love all the books for for different reasons. I'm a I love banter in books, and when there's a strong heroine, and you know, you know, when there's that chemistry or the, and I'm all for the sexy times, but I also like the tension prior to the sexy time, so or the slow burn. So yeah, yeah. Well, I think there's a lot more to uh, because there's no sex at the end. 
Mm-hmm. Well, it's intimated at the end, but it's really pretty much at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't see slow burn that way. I see them, the whole thing developing into the relationship as being kind of the slow burn. And I don't think you have to have the sex on the page to, to define that. That is true. But, yep. You know, everybody's their own definitions of, of, of what they, how they, how they see yeah. these things. So, oh, absolutely. Anyway. But again, why romance is really good in the sense that it, there's something for everybody. So, you know, we can always enjoy a good oh, story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, Sharon, before we go, can you tell us what you're currently working on? We touched a little bit on it before and what's coming up next for you, just so we can have another reminder and make sure that we get it on our to, to be read lists. Okay. So um, Dead in the Alley comes out on August 10th and the audiobook is going to be recorded sometime in October with um, Stella Hunter and Andrew Iden. And um, even though it's a murder mystery, which most people tell me they have, can't figure out who the villain is, but nobody says that it doesn't make sense. So mm, okay. if you like puzzles, it's a good puzzle. Um, it's got a central love story in it. And uh, and the central love story is a second chance romance. So, um, and like my other books, I didn't really talk about this food is a big thing in my books um and when you read my reviews some people say i was just so hungry by the time i finished <laughs> in fact with that book i had a new editor and she's like i just keep wanting to eat while i'm, while I'm reading this because the the female protagonist is a chef so that gives me lots of lice and lots of food um max and grass are foodies that's why there's so many restaurants in that one so um so there's food in that one, and it takes place in northern Michigan, which uh, is not the UP. Northern Michigan is the northernmost part of Michigan before <laughs> you get up to the UP. And, um, and it's in the Traverse City area. And Melanie Harlow actually lent me the winery that she created in that area for her books. And uh, let me mention her characters, oh, that's which I awesome. thought was very, very generous of her yes. to do that. So she's read that scene and she told me she was happy with it so um if any if anybody out there is a melanie harlow reader um there is that little connection with her with her books so um and then i'm writing um a mystery called it's a cozy mystery that's called murder at the great jane austen (laughs) cook-off which takes place in jane austen country in uh current time um and it's kind of got, and it's got a cooking competition, obviously, in it. Uh, and again, of, of course, it has a love story because I can't not have romance. And the two characters, um, I have, I have some friends that that write kind of their Jane Austeny things, even if they're modern romance. Um, and so the main characters are Darcy Fitzwilliam and Bennett Longbourn. Mm. With, I, I'm having a I'm having a lot of fun with the names and since the names are very Jane Austeny. Yeah, they are. Um, and it takes place in Jane Austen country, um, so there's a big. Uh, so the 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 high concept, as as Asians like to call it, is um, Jane Austen meets uh, Agatha Christie in a modern Hampshire village. So um, that's that's kind of how that that goes and then um after that i'll be writing the third book in the um global security unlimited series which is going to be called um at the ready and it it's jl and mickey who were important side characters in uh 
sidekicks, really, in uh, the first and second book. And that one will take place in Chicago and Vancouver. Fantastic. Wow. Okay. We have a great lineup of uh, books to, I'm hoping to add. those two will come out next year. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Um, okay. Yes. Yeah, so if you had asked me a couple of years ago, would I have any books out? I might say maybe one. <laughs> um, so the fact that I've got three out and two that I'm working on, I'm kind of like, really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Fantastic. So all the everything right now is on KU. Um, if if you're a, if you're a um, if you're a, a ebook reader, um, all the two books that are out are on KU, and the one that's coming out in August will also be in KU. Yeah, fantastic. And and also for the listeners, Darren has a giveaway um, for the listeners. If you guys are going to want more information on that, make sure that you go over at our page, Vivian Enchantress of Books. I will put all the information there. So when you hear this, I'll come over. Also know that if you're listening to this way later on, the giveaway may have already closed, but you can always pick up her goodies because her audio, her books are really very intriguing and i know that i'm going to be picking up one tonight probably to start my sharing adventures before allure so (laughs) so thank you so much sharon for providing us with a giveaway appreciate that oh thanks so much for having me i this has been great thank you yeah it's been so much fun getting to know you and i'm excited about getting to you know hang out with you at allure and we're going to include your social media links and your website in the newsletter so everybody can go follow and, and sign up for your newsletter to get information about when all these awesome stories are coming out including of the audiobooks and casting news and all that other fun stuff everyone again the information will be over at the day's post over at viviana enchantress of books and until next time happy listening thank you to all of our audiobook loving podcast patreon special thanks to nixley zenner Carol Liebner, Brittany Robinette Leiter, Michelle Bastard, Brandy Schmidt, April Branson. The Audiobook Loving Podcast has special Patreon access levels. Join today to receive benefits including early access to episodes, shoutouts, special exclusive content, and much more. Support the podcast by becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash audiobook loving. We thank you for your support. Thank you for joining us on the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, hosted by Viviana Enchantress of Books. For links and more information discussed in today's episode, previous podcasts, or the Audiobook Lovin' series, please visit our website, vivianaenchantressofbooks.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a positive review wherever you listen to our podcast. Until next time, happy listening.